1: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now, it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. As your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 sports, he is Zach Kellerman. Zach, did you have a good
2: weekend? I hope you uh, were able to kind of Cut loose a little bit and relax. I did. You know, we're entering that portion now where the Broncos players are on their summer break. They have six weeks off until training camp. And, you know, for us writers, it's been a whirlwind. Every single week since the season ended, there's been something. From the coaching search to the coaching hires to the the combine, free agency, the draft, mini camp. It doesn't end for us ever all year round. But it's always nice to get those little pockets of relaxation. Uh, so I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. I hope you are, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This
1: this month is going to be probably the most chill month that I'm going to have, and then things are going to start cranking again in July. So, but that Big doesn't time. mean we're going to you know pump the brakes in terms of content on the podcast. We'll we'll still continue to be coming to you daily as best we can throughout the month of June. We should have plenty to talk about. A lot of deep form, deep dive type of analysis is is what you're going to see on the website. And then Zach and I, you know, we're always going to try and find those type of topics to riff off of. And that's what we're going to do today, in fact, which we'll get to that here in just a minute. But before we dive into today's topic of the podcast, quick reminder, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. It's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. YouTube listeners, you're doing great. You're all awesome. Don't forget to like and comment on each video and if you're listening on iTunes, we'd appreciate it. You give us that five-star rating and a creative review. Let us know your thoughts on the show. All right, Zach. So let's uh, – for today, I wanted to touch on this excellent piece that Eric Trickle published over the weekend from Broncos Mini camp: Ten Standouts, and Five underperformers. Now, just to kind of set the stage with regard to this article for, for Eric – this wasn't just, you know, him going off of what he's seeing on twitter or you know what broncos media people are saying. Some of that's in this, but most of this is what he's being told from people close to the team within the team, his sources at Dove Valley. So it's kind of interesting to view this that way. 10 guys that he wanted to feature as standouts and then five who frankly are maybe just not quite hitting the par. And I want to start with Zach. Let's let's just go through each one of these. We'll riff off of it, kind of talk about the implications. Now, one thing before we dive in, I think Zach, it's worth mentioning that none of this should be taken as gospel because it's June, right? Right.
2: Yeah, it's it's all subjective right now. It's everyone's opinion, and like you said, it's he's taken into consideration many different sources. And you know, not a single regular season snap has been played yet. So again, I guess I'm the one to keep everyone in check. But yeah, it's still June, and we can look at it with orange tinted glasses. But we have to keep that in in perspective.
1: I mean, how often did we hear whether it was Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, Rich Scangarello say X person is looking good, but we'll see how they look when the pads are on, right? When it's exactly. context. So. That's a context with which to kind of analyze this and keep that in mind as we dive in. But no surprise, the first guy, Zach, he's got listed here is Bradley Chubb. And basically what Eric says here, and I'll just paraphrase some of what he he had to say, is that big things are on the horizon for Bradley Chubb. He's basically showing drastic improvements to his game so far this season. And last year, Zach, of course, he kind of got out to – he had a phenomenal – if you look at the total body of work as a rookie in 2018, Bradley Chubb was great. But if you look at it on a quarter-by-quarter basis, that first quarter of the season last year, he kind of was quiet. But those middle two quarters, quarter two and quarter three, he was unbelievable. And then he slowed down again down the stretch. And basically what Eric is saying here is from the way he's reacting to – Vic Fangio's coaching, the new uh, Brandon Staley, the outside linebacker's coach, and then just the natural development of a guy going from year one to year two in the NFL. He could be in store, Bradley Chubb, for a massive year two.
2: According to a source, which is my gut, I think Chubb, and this is kind of a hot take, I think he's going to have as many or more sacks than Von Miller this year. There's just something I think that Chubb is going to break out in a big way, and he's going to take over as the uh, the newer generation face of the defense, I guess you can put it. He's going to kind of uh, assume the torch from Von Miller. Uh, everything that Vic Fangio has said, I mean, it's hard to get a compliment from Fangio, and he's just openly and unprompted gushed about Bradley Chubb, and he thinks big things are in store for him. And based on the way he's going to use him and move him around the formation inside, outside, on Von Miller's side – I just happen to agree with Eric here. I think he's in for a floor. I think 15 sack season. I think it's going to be an All Pro Pro Bowl caliber season for Bradley Chubb.
1: And you had the article last week, Zach, on what Vic Fangio had to say about Bradley Chubb that he has yep. tailor made for right. his defense. So it's really going to be interesting because, like you said, at some point, you know Elvis Doomerville had to pass the torch to Von Miller, and similarly. Eventually that day is going to come where Vaughn Miller has to pass the torch to Bradley Chubb. Now, I'm not saying in a sense that here's the torch, I'm out of here, you carry on. You know, these Chubb and Vaughn Miller probably have, what's he, is he, I think if I'm not mistaken, he's locked under contract through another two years, Vaughn Miller. So I think they, you know, they're going to have a couple more years together, but this is one of those pivot points, I think, where you could see Bradley Chubb start to at least show signs of being able to outshine Vaughn.
2: I, I saw it last year. I mean, no obviously no disrespect to Vaughn Miller, who's a future Hall of Famer and, and one of the best pass rushers I've ever seen in, in any, you know, any game, any team, any business. I just happen to think based on his talent, uh, Bradley Chubb and the coaching I mean, what he did last year, and we, I hate to harp on coaching again, but they dropped him in coverage way too much. They were misusing him. I, I just think with better coaching on top of making that that leap from year one to year two, a full offseason in the Broncos training program, a full offseason in the NFL system and, and, and Vic Fangio's system, I, I happen to think, you know, I agree with Eric again. He, he's just in for a massive year. If he stays healthy and the stars align, I think Bradley Chubb is a pro bowler shoo-in.
1: Now here's one that might have been a little bit of a surprise for some people, but... Eric's got Zach Kerr, the big defensive lineman, listed as one of the standouts from the offseason training program and minicamp. To quote Eric, he said, Word is, Kerr has been hard to block as he clogs running lanes and gets pushed up the middle during team drills. Now, Eric also allows that you got to consider the the Kerr buzz a little bit with a grain of salt because offseason, no pads, no full contact favors the defensive line over the offensive line.
2: Plus, at, at this stage in any offseason program, the defense is always ahead of the offense, and especially for the Broncos with you know Vic Fangio being a defensive coach. Uh, but this is why they brought Zach Kerr back. I wasn't ever uh, a huge fan of the re-signing. I, I was happy with Domitop Petko, but if he can be that run stopper on early downs for them, and, and he's just another key cog in the middle of that of that front seven. So it's good to see that uh, among the many options there, because they're going to have some uh, decisions to make on the defensive line, it's, it's good to see that he's panning out again in a new system.
1: You know what's crazy is when the Broncos first signed Zach Kerr, coming off that great final year in Indy, I had some really high hopes for him to be able to come in and kind of be a utility knife, so to speak, on that defensive line. And I think that the previous coaching regime didn't quite get out of him or utilize Zach Kerr the Shocker. way – Exactly. But the way his potential, you know, deserved. And I think that's something that Vic Fangio identified – that there was some untapped potential there, which is one of the reasons that he was re-signed. So I think Zach Kerr is another one of these low-key guys that I could see coming in under Fangio and having a much bigger impact than people expect, leaving fans and media to go, well, where's this version of Zach Kerr been all along? Coaching, you know.
2: Yeah, you, you need that, those, those blue collar lunch pail types on every team, and, and he fits that bill. And what I like what Fangio has done at Nose Tackle to replace Pecco is he's used kind of a, a platoon like Shelby Harris on passing down, Zach Kerr on, on running downs. Uh, you mix uh, Draymond Jones in there. He's going to get creative, and that's, again, something that Fangio brings to the table that not a lot of coaches do. So I agree with you. Uh, the better coaching is, is going to influence every player, and if, if Zach Kerr can be that that cog in the middle to just stop the run, then and he has a useful part on this team.
1: All right, next guy here that Eric's got listed is second-round pick from last season, Cortland Sutton. Now, basically what Eric's saying is that the early returns on the connection between Sutton and Joe Flacco are positive, that they've established good chemistry already, they're connecting on some big plays, they've done so multiple times, and that he really is Sutton looking like he's taking that next step more and more like a true number-one receiver, according to Eric. Now, here's the thing with, with Sutton. Every time I, now, he mostly backed up the buzz he was getting during offseason and training camp last year with a really solid, a more than solid rookie campaign. It was the fourth best wide receiver rookie year in Broncos history. But at the same time, even though there's a precedent for him following through on his offseason buzz with good regular season performance, when I see a wide receiver wearing the number one four producing <laughs> during the offseason and training camp, I pumped the brakes on getting out over my skis just because of all that year after year from Cody Latimer looking like the truth during the off season and only to just disappear when it came regular season time.
2: I, yeah, I think just what Sutton's done in year one, though, was more than Latimer ever did. I don't, I don't think we have that worry anymore. And similarly to Chubb and, and Miller, I, I think Sutton is ready to take the torch this year from Manuel Sanders. And I'm not crazy about titles, Chad, like number one receiver, number two receiver. I, I know it's traditional, but he's going to be that guy in the red zone. He's going to be Flacco's go-to guy at, at, between the 20s, down the hashes, you know, as the possession receiver. He's going to be that guy. If you want to put a number on him, I think he's going to be a very, very, very good number two this year. And then you have Sanders, Noah Fant, and the rest of the offense. It's a complementary offense. And if there's one guy to stand out, and it's good to see that Flacco's connecting with him, they had a long touchdown pass in, in one of the uh, recent practices. It's just going to benefit the entire offense. I knew Flacco, if there's anyone that would he would love on this team, he loves those big body receivers, he's had them all his career, he was going to love Cortland Sutton.
1: I mean, that's I keep going back to this idea that this might be the most explosive and talented group of skill players around Joe Flacco that he's ever had. You know, he had some solid guys and solid collections of guys at different points in Baltimore, including Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, Todd Heap, Dennis Pitta, Ray Rice. You know, there was – but, you know, they kind of – in Mike Wallace. But they were kind of like ships passing in the night often. You know, like right. to have a true Avengers type of off, uh, <laughs> uh, offense – I think the Broncos have the potential to be that, which is curious because what kind of Flacco do you get if your offensive line is significantly improved and your skill position is the best he's ever played with? It stands to reason that it's possible Joe Flacco could have a career year
2: in such a scenario. Potential and possible are the key words there. On paper, I I tend to agree with you. I mean, from top to bottom, theoretically what they should be, yeah, I think this is one of more... A uh, Flacco's more talented cast, but they have to put it together, as I always say. And if they can, if the stars align. You know, if if Flacco returns to his previous form, and not the in the form he's shown the last couple of years. If the offensive line stays healthy, and they all take that that Munchak leap, Munchak magic, I guess you can call it. If the you know Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman stay healthy, there's a lot of things that have to happen. But yeah, on paper, it's definitely encouraging. And the more they connect now in practice, if they're you know connecting with these huge touchdown passes, I know it's, it's June, I know it's May it's been, but it's encouraging that Flacco has that chemistry because I don't think he's enjoyed this type of weaponry in, in many recent years.
1: Last thing on this topic is just think about, I mean, if all the stars align the way that this offense has the potential to align, you've got Joe Flacco in the red zone and you're a play caller named Rich Scangarello. You know, you've got options to get the ball to Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman. You got options to get the ball to big body playmakers like Noah Fant in the middle of the field, Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Tim Sanders Patrick. running routes underneath and creating I mean, the options are gonna be just manifold and yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see how it shakes out. Now, let's turn the page though to the next guy on Eric's list who has stood out, and that is Devontae Bosby, the former AAF star and the leading interceptor of passes from that very short-lived league. Now, here's the thing that, you know, we've heard Vic Fangio get after Bosby with regard to his conditioning and playing two seasons back-to-back, but I think there's actually some, some, you know, fire where the smoke is coming from because if the Broncos didn't uh, respect, let's just say, Bosby's game. While Chris Harris was holding out, he wouldn't have been running with the ones. I think there's something to the fact that Bosby has been impressing the coaching staff and that they might have found a gem here. And we can thank the AAF for that, but I'm really curious to see how Bosby holds up when training camp comes along in the preseason based on what Eric's hearing. He's just doing a great job of sticking on receivers' hips and being really tough to
2: shake. I'm with you on on Bosby's uh, you know upside and his potential, but I wonder if his usage is more out of necessity when you had Yadam coming off surgery, Callahan and and Cream Jackson playing safety. I mean, who else is really left with Chris Harris Jr. holding out? Uh, the only thing if if that's his biggest drawback is his conditioning at this point and not learning the system. I give him credit, honestly, playing back-to-back seasons and jumping right into an off-season program. That's not easy for any athlete. So I, I give him credit for you know, doing his best so far, and it seems like he has settled down, and he's heeded that call from Vic Fangio. And based on the cornerback you know, core, it's still very unsettled. He can work his way up there. I-, I do like his potential. He has the size. He has the playmaking ability that he could thrive under Donatel. Uh, he has to just keep it consistent. I think that's what Fangio was looking for with him, is consistency, keeping his head down, and doing what he's asked. These next
1: six weeks, I mean, if they're going to benefit any player, it's going to be Devonte Bosby because he just hasn't had time That's off. That's right. Really. Um, next guy here, a little bit curious. The standout Malik Reed, undrafted rookie edge rusher from Nevada. Basically, what Eric is saying is that he's been on the third team. Okay, wreaking havoc so far. He was one of he was the player, in fact, that made some. Uh, bones last week by running into Brett Rippon a, on a rep, which is a huge no-no, right? The offensive guys, you know, the offensive coaches are going to get in his grill for doing that. And the coaches on the other side of the ball, you know, they're going to basically echo the offensive coaches in front of everyone. But behind closed doors, they're going to give him a pat on the butt for getting after the quarterback. So it's interesting. Malik Reed, I don't know. He's one of these guys that to me is a little bit of an enigma Eric has said some good things about him. Nick has said some good things, Kendall, about Malik Reed. The tape that I've watched on him, to me, was very uninspiring. But who knows? We'll see. I mean, no-name edge rushers that come out of the woodworks tend to work out in Denver in this system and the kind of culture they have for rushing the passer.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I like Reed's upside. And he was uh, one. I, I honestly, aside from Rippon, he was my favorite on drafted signing. I thought he w- would go in the middle rounds, just like Jeff Holland last year. It's just a numbers game, though. I mean, where do you fit him in? He, he's not, I don't think, barring an injury or just a giant leap, going to make the 53, but you can sneak him onto the practice squad and hope he stays there. And then you have another developmental pass rusher. There, it's just an embarrassment of riches. You know, at one point, the Broncos had. I guess last year they had Chubb Miller, you know, they had Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray. That's the four horsemen. And they kind of have that now with Chubb Miller and, and, you know, they have Malik Reed, they have Jeff Holland. It's a good situation to be in. And I'm excited to see his development. I just don't see any way to the active roster this year. It's just unfortunate for him personally.
1: I agree. I think probably he's bound, if he's going to stick in Denver in 2019, it's probably going to be on the practice squad for Malik Reed because you also have Dakota Watson that they gave up a fifth round pick for for a reason. You know he's making this roster, so those forgot are, about him. Yeah, that accounts for your top three, and then Jeff Holland. I don't know, we'll get to him in just a minute. Let's let's turn the page here and talk about these two tight ends in one. He's got Austin Fort listed as a standout and Bug Howard, both of which have really. And Eric's not the only person who has said good things about both these guys so far through OTAs and minicamp. But what are the implications of an Austin Fort and Bug Howard sticking out and showing out for a guy named Jake Butt, who we're going to talk mm. about a little bit later?
2: Uh, it's it, it puts him on on not thin ice, but thinner ice. I, I think he's his draft status, and if he can stay healthy, I think that would guarantee him a spot over a couple unknown guys. But he's going to have to earn it. And it's unfortunate for these two guys. It's just like um, Malik Reed; It's a numbers game. Right now, the Broncos have four. On the 53, it's looking like, and they're not going to sneak another one. So uh, barring an injury, it's going to be tough. But I've heard consistently that Austin Ford has, has been practicing and playing very well in practice. Uh, so it's it, I want to see his upside, his development, new tight ends coach, uh, Rick a new offense, new system. It's it just I don't see um, any way if the current tight ends stay healthy, anyone leapfrogging then based on what we heard this offseason.
1: Very encouraging because just like Eric mentions in this written piece, you know the Broncos, it's been a while since they've had an impressive tight end room And now it really feels like they have a log jam going there. And Austin Fort, he's really been able to make some bones, not only as a receiver just catching everything, but also uh, for his blocking. So we'll see how that shakes out. we still got a few more standouts that we want to get to on today's show. And then we got to also address these underperformers that Eric has listed. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Huddle Up! Podcast listeners, check this out. If you've been thinking about becoming a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber, now's the time to do it. We have a phenomenal offer to get your foot in the door as a new VIP. Right now, you can get your first month of VIP for $1. That's insane value, and it immediately gives you access to all of the premium content we produce. If you want to subscribe for the year, new annual subscribers will get 30% off the cost of a membership. Never before have we been able to offer new subscribers this kind of introductory incentive to pull the trigger. This is how you get access to our VIP mailbacks every Friday. Zach and I answer each and every question from our VIPs, even if it means an episode goes a little bit long. Jumping on this offer also gives you 100% access to every piece of content we produce on the front page, including our Broncos film room breakdowns and every other form of deep dive Broncos content our site is known for. VIPs also get entry into our members only MHH Insiders Forum, where you hear the insider buzz first from our talented and plugged in staff And you get to engage with other passionate and knowledgeable fans just like you. Becoming a VIP subscriber, you guys, it's the best way to support the work and the time Zach and I put into producing a daily podcast for your listening pleasure and edification. So go to milehighhuddle.com, click on the green banner, choose monthly or annual, and you are locked in. The regular season will be here before you know it, so jump on one of these offers, Broncos Country. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, let's touch on a couple more of these standouts before we turn the page and address the five underperformers that Eric has listed here. And first off on this segment, Brendan Langley, who he has listed as a standout who continues to Show off that speed, and that's kind of what the Broncos are lacking on their offensive side is that guy who can take the top off a defense. And according to Eric Trickle, from what he's hearing, Brendan Langley has been able to do that multiple times for the Broncos' offense, taking
2: the top off. I, that's his forte, and and if you know Sa- Sanders looks to be completely a good go for training camp, they might work him in slowly, but he's going to be that burner. Then you have Noah Fant, but you know if he's showing ball as a receiver and that conversion can serve him well, then that can maintain his value and buy him some more time. And of course, making his bones on specials is the way to the roster for Langley. But yeah, they need those speedsters. They don't. They can't just rely on Sanders coming off an Achilles. They need those guys. And uh, if he can adapt to Joe Flacco's arm, and and you talked about it last podcast, Chad that 80-yard throw that Flacco had, that was to Brandon Langley. So it's good to see that he's testing him downfield and he's making that connection. Who knows? I've been harder on Langley than most people. I don't think I've given him much of a chance, but I hope to eat my words. I hope he surprises because he offers something that no other Broncos receiver named Sanders can truly offer.
1: One more tight end that Eric has listed here is Troy Fumagalli, last year's fifth-round pick who, of course, had to redshirt his rookie season due to a sports hernia injury. Mr. Nine Fingers himself has really been showing out. And you want to talk about a guy who's hauling in every target like a vacuum and really just showing that want to and competitive drive as a blocker. This is a guy who I think has a more realistic opportunity to leapfrog some dudes on the depth chart, Troy Fumagalli.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think he's going to leapfrog Jake Butt. I think he's going to leapfrog Jeff Hyrman when it's all said and done. If, if he can just show consistent potential as a blocker. As a pass catcher, it's no contest there for either. I mean, only you know Noah Fan can rival him. I think he's going to make a big leap. He's healthier than Hyreman, I think. He's healthier than Jake Butt, obviously, coming off his third ACL. And he showed well in college. He was a, a pretty good draft pick for them. So I'm with you there. I think he can make his move up the depth chart.
1: All right, last standout is Royce Freeman. And he's a guy that our listeners have heard me mention at least once on the pod. Who has really shined so far? And Philip Lindsay, you know, he's recovering. He's he's going to be good to go for training camp. You had that that article for our website. Yes, but in the meantime, while Lindsay has been relegated to the sideline during uh, individual drill, or excuse me, during team drill, Royce Freeman has been showing out, looking like a true featured back. And Eric has uh, said the same, basically, from what he's hearing that he's just had a phenomenal offseason. And I'm really curious. Again, I say this with no um, conscious hyperbole I think the Royce Freeman Phillip Lindsay battle is going to be the most explosive roster throwdown of the summer When once we get to training camp and preseason
2: yeah, I could definitely see that, and a, a lot of Broncos fans wrote Freeman off after his injury and uh, after Lindsey kind of overtook the position, but it just goes to show how nagging those high ankle sprains can be, and that was the source of Freeman's ineffectiveness. Now that he's healthy, he's showing that he can be a, an upgraded version of C.J. Anderson. He's never going to be that the game-breaker that Philip Lindsey is, but he definitely has value in this offense, and they're going to use him more on early downs this year than people think, and they let on, and that he was used last year. They're going to kind of conserve Philip Lindsay and give uh, Roy Stroman more work. So it's nice to see that he's adapting in the system. He's taken, uh, I think, a little bit of a leadership role in the running back room, along with Devontae Booker. Uh, So it's all signs are positive for him. And I'm with you. Uh, That battle is is not completely cinched. It's not Lindsay's job completely. He's going to have to earn it, and Freeman's going to push him.
1: All right, let's turn the page to these underperformers that Trickle has listed. And, again, I want to remind everybody it's – it's all information and we want the information, but at the same time, much of it we have to take with a grain of salt, including this first one. He addresses the fact that Drew Locke has not really impressed anybody yet. Okay, Drew Locke, and I'm going to quote him here. He says, Drew Locke is dealing with the rookie learning curve, <clears throat> excuse me, which has caused some issues with interceptions and missing open guys. This was to be expected, Trickle says, and not something to really worry about. Still, he has struggled at times, and when a lot of other younger players are looking good, it leaves slim pickings for those lagging behind. Despite the issues, Locke has developed chemistry with Austin Fort, who we mentioned, and has connected on some big plays. The issue with Locke has been consistency, and it is showing. He has improved on the footwork, but still has a ways to go, Zach.
2: You know how you know you don't want to necessarily peak in high school? Well, I, no one wants their quarterback peaking in their first minicamp. I'd rather him get these mistakes out now and work on it now with no pressure to start, no pressure at all really, and then come back next year with all these kinks worked out and a better quarterback. I have no problem with the mistakes now. And even, you know, Scangarello and Fangio talked about it. The first mistake is okay, but I want to see him not commit that mistake going forward. And rather that happen now than and then later. So I'm not surprised he was listed here. I want to see how he responds in training camp. Uh but it's all part of the process for Drew Locke.
1: And it's encouraging that his footwork is improving and his dropbacks from under center. So it's just, you know, a piece to the puzzle that Locke is working on. And I remain confident that come training camp when the intensity ratchets up and the hitting starts, and you get to the preseason. you're really going to see true luck begin to shine and separate from the other backup quarterbacks on this roster. Now, let's look at this next guy he's got as an underperformer, Keyshawn Bieria. Now, we have heard Vic Fangio reference Bieria with a familiar nickname. He calls him KB, which is a plus when you're looking at his roster prospects. If he's got the coach referring to him by his nickname in the media, I think that's a positive if you're trying to read the signs. Your name's Keyshawn Bieria. But at the same time, Trickle has him listed saying basically that the best play so far from Bieria was one that ended up not being so good where he had an interception just go right through his hands. This is a guy who is being outshined by undrafted rookie named Joe Denine, And this is one of those positions, Zach, where the Broncos have a logjam of unproven hungry linebackers behind Josie Jewell and Todd Davis. So the pressure is going to be on Bieri. I'm really curious to see whether or not he can shine, but he does represent a 2018 six-round investment by the Broncos.
2: I I was never a fan of the draft pick. I don't think you were either, Chad. I mean, we talked about it last year, and he didn't really offer much upside, and I I wasn't ever a fan of his personally. So uh, it's not surprising that he's listed here, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up uh, on the unemployment line when final cuts are made uh, later this summer.
1: All right, another underperformer Trickle has listed is Jeff Holland. I'm going to quote Eric. He says, Malik Reed is standing out. Aaron Wallace has made some plays, while Dakota Watson and Jeff Holland have had their ups and downs. The others have been doing this, while Holland hasn't really done anything himself to stand out, he, he means in terms of making plays. He has had a couple of good rushes and a couple of good plays against the run, but between the edge rushers, he's the one bringing up the rear. So, one thing that Holland has over a guy like Malik Reed is the fact that he's played some NFL snaps. And when he did last year against the Cleveland Browns, for example, I think it was week fifteen, he made an impact. He had a hit or two on Baker Mayfield. You know, he he showed that there he can, you know, there's some proof in the pudding, but he's got to right. be able to do it again. I mean, it was such a small sample size that you can't even call it Laurels to rest on. He's got to go out there and crush because basically beyond the top three, it's an open it's literally the epitome of an open competition Zach.
2: Yeah, and you know, we we said it's June when we're talking about praising people. Well, it's also June when it comes to criticizing him, and, and maybe he's having trouble uh, so far picking up the playbook. It, it's nothing to panic about right now. I'm a big fan of Jeff Holland. I think he can be good in this defense, and I think by training camp in the preseason, hopefully he'll learn the playbook more if that's what he's struggling with and make some more plays for them. Uh, but he is going to be pushed. You know, they have Dakota Watson. They have Malik Reed, who we talked about. And like you just said, it's not a lock that he's going to be that third pass rusher behind Miller and Chubb. So uh, you know he's going to have to keep performing. I'm not worried yet, though. I'm not pressing the panic button just yet on Jeff Holland.
1: Let's talk about Jake Butt, who Eric has listed as an underperformer. So this is the fourth tight end to make this article, the previous three, of course, being listed as standouts. Underperformer Jake Butt. However, Eric himself says it's not exactly fair to list Jake here as an underperformer, but he does nevertheless just because by default, because he's been on sideline recovering from that ACL, he's seeing other tight ends rise to the occasion. So here's the thing to keep in mind with regard to Jake Butt. He hasn't really been – the training wheels haven't come off yet. He hasn't really been able to show his new coaches exactly what he can do. But – so I still am optimistic, Zach, in other words, with with Jake But Like, I really think that if what he says is true and that by, you know, figuring out those notches in his knees and creating extra space for his ligaments to avoid re-aggravating or or suffering a similar injury again – I think if that is bolstered, as he says it is, the natural talent that is Jake Butt is going to rise to the surface. I mean, all things being equal on the health front, Zach, this is the second best naturally gifted tight end on the roster. And so if he can get and stay healthy this summer, Zach, I think it's only a matter of time, a short matter of time, before he proves that to guys like Rich Scangarello and the new tight ends coach, Wade Harmon.
2: Yeah, you're a little higher on but than I am. I-, I liked him last year from what I saw, but even if he comes back, Chad, how good can he be after three ACL tears? Is he still going to be the same player he was last year? And is that the player he was the year before that? Has any player come back from three of the same injury and-, and gone on to maintain their talent and go on to have a, a star-studded career? I can't think of one. I would like to see it happen. It's definitely not fair. It sucks what happened to him. It's awful luck, but uh, that's the cards he was dealt, and he has to face off his competition now. I want to see him do it. I mean, he had the talent. He he should have been a second, third-round pick, but those injuries are just so physically and mentally draining. I just wonder how much he has left, even when he comes back to full health.
1: Fair point, fair point. Let's just hope those training wheels come off. Similarly, like with, with Philip Lindsay being unleashed at the top of training camp, I'm hoping that, that for Jake Butt, it's the same thing. He can get in there and level on a level playing field and show what he's got. So we'll we'll see how it shakes out. But here's the last guy that Eric has listed as an underperformer, Kevin Hogan. And I'm going to quote him here. He says, Trickle, Kevin Hogan has a tough battle ahead of him. He's trying to fight off second-round pick Drew Locke and the undrafted but highly paid rookie Brett Rippon. While Locke and Rippon both have struggled, Hogan has looked just as bad. There have been multiple dropped interceptions, that Hogan has thrown by failing to read the defense. While he has thrown a couple of TDs, they have been more because of the play of a receiver than of Hogan. If the Broncos only keep two quarterbacks, there is little doubt at this point that Hogan will be the odd man out. Even if Denver keeps three, Hogan has to step it up. Rippon has made mistakes, but they have been fewer in number than Hogan. For the quarterbacks, a lot will depend on what happens when they get into the preseason. So. And that's really what it boils down to for a guy like Kevin Hogan. I mean, Drew Locke's guaranteed to make the roster, even if he face plants right in the preseason. He's making this roster. But for Kevin Hogan and Brett Rippon, everything is going to be determined by how they perform under the lights during preseason.
2: I kind of feel bad for Kevin Hogan. I mean, he's in an unwinnable position. He doesn't have the, the talent. Uh, of Drew Locke. He doesn't have the security of Joe Flacco, and he doesn't have the the long-term, I guess, backup upside of Brett Rippon. The difference between him and Rippon and Locke is Locke and Rippon are going to be excused if they make an interception, but every throw that Hogan makes is going to be amplified and magnified, and every bad pass or interception turnover, it's going to give them Broncos more reason to cut him and go with their younger players. I, I, it's a very uphill battle, and I don't see him winning.
1: I agree. I agree. But, you know, to look at it optimistically for Kevin Hogan... This is, we've we've heard Rich Gangarello talk about how much he covets the body of work, and Hogan had that in college. So there is a wealth of experience, but as you hit on there, Zach, it's talent. You know, talent always rises to the surface once the, right. a, a playing field gets leveled by system, coaching staff, all that stuff. So I think Kevin Hogan, his best bet is probably with another team. There's just too much young talent now. And I don't blame the Broncos for trying to re, – for re-signing him when they did because they had no way of knowing that they were going to get both Drew Locke and Brett Ripon in the draft or, and after the draft.
2: He was a great insurance policy at the time, and I, I did not mind it, but it's just he's going to lose out based on his talent alone or his lack of compared to the others. And it might benefit him. Look at last year; he was released in final cuts by the Redskins and landed on the Broncos roster as the backup. And that's that could happen for him this year. He just needs to change the scenery because he's not going to get an opportunity on a fair, you know, playing field in Denver.
1: But yeah, it was a, it's a is a great article. I encourage all of our listeners to go give that a read on the website. It's done really, really well. A lot of fans are are digging this article. Bleacher Report ran it. So it's kind of gone viral for us, but go give it a read. Great job by Eric Trickle. But in the meantime, you guys, that's gonna do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Zach and I will be back with another fresh episode tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, make sure you are following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find Zach on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. YouTube listeners, before you X out, don't forget to like. Leave us a comment, too. That tells YouTube that it's a quality piece of content, and they'll take that piece of content and put it in front of other like-minded Broncos fans on YouTube. And if you're on iTunes, don't forget to leave your creative review and give us that five-star rating. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.